Hello and welcome to the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb, and as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, how are you, sir? Doing well, man. Just, uh, just in the heat of the off season of Oklahoma state sports right now. What about you? Emphasis on the heat because uh, <laughs> it's smoking out there. As I know, you know, as I know, many of our listeners know, uh, we skipped, uh, we skipped spring. It's straight into summer, obviously being the middle of June, but it's so hot out there. Can't believe it. Uh, and it's, it's appearing to have an issue or an impact on our technical abilities here. So you don't know this, our listeners, but we have powered through some technical difficulties this evening to bring you this show. Uh, and we pray that it's not the lost episode of the Feels Like 45 podcast. So we're just going to get right after it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think we're fine now. I think I th- we're fine. Knock on I wood. think we are. Yeah, absolutely. If you're the praying type, let's hope, uh, <laughs> let's send one up. How about it? Uh, well, Dustin, let's just jump right into it. Uh, hopefully you had a good weekend in your world. I know mine was great. I uh, did some traveling. I know you did too, but... I don't think either of us were in new Big 12 territory this weekend with the news that Cincinnati, Houston, and Central Florida are going to join the Big 12 in 2023. Uh, that also it does include BYU as well. So all four members of, this, of these, these new members of the Big 12 uh, joining the conference in 2023. Dusted your immediate reaction to that news. Yeah, it, it seemed kind of an inevitable that this was going to happen. But uh, those three schools you just mentioned, mentioned Cincy, Houston, UCF, were able to reach an agreement with the American Athletic Conference to depart and join the Big 12. And they'll be ready to go for the 2023 fall athletic calendar. So it'll be really interesting for the time that OU and Texas are still in the conference with kind of what they do scheduling wise and everything that happens there, who's going to play who you would think they'd still keep Bedlam, OU, Texas, you know, other kind of rivalries like that. I'm sure Kansas state and Kansas would still want to play in all sports, but I I don't know. That's going to be, that's going to be a weird, like little couple year stretch there where it's all those teams still in the big 12. Well, it really is. I, and we called this a lame duck conference uh, way back when this news broke. Still think that could be the case, but I mean, if, if OU and Texas don't dip out at the, at the, you know, start of next year or the year after, like we're going to get two, three full years of a 12 team big or a 14 team big 12 at that rate. So it's very interesting to see uh, what's going to happen here. I mean, competitively, I don't know. I mean, it's an, it's an, uh, it's a step up. There's no doubt about it. Right. This is you're adding essentially four quality football teams, and one of these was in the playoff last year. So the conference is getting better uh, in terms of football. But once OU and Texas leave, you got to think the product takes a little bit of a step back. We'll see if that's the case. I don't know about you. I'm not exactly daydreaming of uh, Big 12 road trips to Houston or Orlando or Cincinnati. I don't know about you, though. 
Well, people forget that UCF is basically a softball powerhouse now. They made the uh, they made the tournament for the first time like ever, and then just got absolutely destroyed by OU. But still, they're here, and they're and You're- we're soft. We're softball conference. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Everybody thinks of the Big Twelve in softball. That's just that's just how it goes. So no, you raise a good point. Um, you know, I mean, Sin- kid, yeah. Cincinnati is a really cool city. Uh, one of my one of my good buddies works for the Bengals and he has now for a little while. And uh, I had to travel up in that area for work and went out and kind of saw the city with him, went to a Reds game. I had a good time. It, it's pretty cool. But yes, I, I agree with you. Not not the most <laughs> not the most epic destinations ever or or even on the other hand, like coolest, I guess, college towns, as you'd see, that's, with like that's kind Manhattan of or Stillwater or something like that. So. Yeah. Like I, in, in Provo, like it's, it, I think the scenery would be cool. I got to say the fact that it's a dry campus, that doesn't, that doesn't get me pumped up to go out to Provo <laughs> and sit in the bleachers all day, but I think I will do that. Got to go out there, but that's a bummer. Um, you know, the I'll other be thing going I was, to Houston too, probably every time I, well, I, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but I lived there for about six years after college. So Still have a lot of friends there, and that's a uh, that's just a fun place to go out and have a good time. Well, I was going to ask how you felt about that, knowing that you are are from Houston. You're not from Houston, but you lived there for quite some time. I'm sure that's got to be exciting for you. Yeah, it'll be cool. It'll be a cool spot to go back to. I'm sure anytime Oklahoma State plays Houston in football, I'll be making that trip when it's an away game. Well, let's let's just I, I got, I'm going to ask you which of these teams in 2023. Uh, has the best start to their big 12, you know, tenure. I think it's gotta be Cincinnati unless they have a major coaching change. Don't you think they're kind of riding high right now coming off the playoff, like you mentioned, and you don't really see them faltering much. They just lose a lot with Desmond Ritter, Sauce Gardner. They lose a lot. That offensive line is very good though. And I do think they have a lot of talent there. I think Cincinnati is a great answer. The only other candidate, in my opinion, is, is Houston to me. I think Houston is one of those teams that could hit the ground running. I think they will end up being better for it by being in the Big 12. They will end up, I, I believe, agree. having a better football program because they're in the Big 12. You know, they just rebuilt that stadium. I know it doesn't see the ton, but it's still pretty nice. Um, so I, I think Houston is just easily the most natural fit of these four teams. And that's why I do think if it's not Cincinnati, it's got to be Houston to me. Yeah, and you get you get Dana back, which you know we love him. So <laughs> that's right, that's right. Well, anyway, it's it's fun to daydream. What do you think they do? Do you think they split it into two divisions? I think they have to, right? Yeah, and and it doesn't really matter now. I mean, they split it that way due to scheduling and stuff like that. But now with the new NCAA rule, they can kind of it. You could do winning percentage. It doesn't have to be your two division winners. So I think. Yeah, they split it up like that, maybe for scheduling purposes, but it shouldn't really affect it shouldn't, you know, don't think you have to win the division to get right. there. I mean, still technically you could be the second team in your division and still make it to the championship game. Well, so. and I would think, you know, if they do any sort of geographical divide, which I think they would, like a north and south, that south division is going to be absolutely loaded, which I mean, flashback. The North division may not be as loaded as the South division in a, in a big 12 like that. So I can't wait to see what they do. I mean, big 12 East West would be really interesting because you would be potentially splitting like a KU and a K state or a Texas and a Texas tech. Like I think a North South split would be the way to do it. Or 
I mean, shoot, just go round robin and we're just going <laughs> to throw darts at a dartboard and see who you play next year. Yeah, just and do I it, do, yeah. I do really like not having to win your division to win the big, tw- to be in the co- conference playoff or conference championship. I'm sorry, because I, I can totally see a scenario where it's Oklahoma and Oklahoma state, you know, tied, uh, but you know, maybe some sort of head to head to head tiebreaker puts OU in in a North South division type of scenario. And then Oklahoma state's left out because of something, you know, technicality and uh, would hate to see that. So I like your, I like where you're going there. Yeah. I was thinking maybe like a random number generator and that throws you <laughs> in your division and you can <laughs> like an Excel that's, or something. Yeah. That's fantastic. Almost like a, uh, I don't even know. That's fantastic. I have kind of like what we do for our ticket giveaways. One of those <laughs> random generators. <laughs> hundred percent, hundred percent. Don't mean, cheat and just pick people that we like. Yeah. That's, that's, that ex- yeah, that is very true. We actually do. Uh, there's some accountability me. here, but uh, yeah, th- we won't talk about that one time. Dustin. <laughs> um, you know, anything else on that before we move on? No, it's, you know, it's not, it's not the best scenario. We've talked about it on here on here before, but it is interesting that it's kind of finally happening just to kind of see what happens, especially for those, years that texas and OU are still in the conference if that happens but um yeah not much else on it kind of interesting i'm I, i'm frankly just ready for them to go i i don't need them around i'm, I'm ready for life without them it's kind of it's kind of like uh it's just there's no there's no luster there anymore they're leaving we're not going to be around they're not going to be around so uh, I'm, I'm good with just you know let's just let's just call it a day and go on with their lives um just a couple of other quick notes to get to, Dustin. I mean, minicamp wrapped up for a few Oklahoma State Cowboys who are in minicamp this year. Just got drafted Malcolm Rodriguez, Devin Harper, Christian Holmes. Sounds like things went pretty well for him out there uh, in minicamp. Yeah, Malcolm's got a lot of reps in both the minicamp and the OTAs that followed. I think he's going to for sure be a special teams guy and could be in the two deep for line one of the linebacker spots. You know, we've talked about – what Kelvin Shepard, the Detroit Lions linebacker coach, what uh, Detroit's head coach talked about Malcolm Rodriguez just being a really smart guy coming in and getting everything right away. So that's awesome. And Devin Harper as well. Apparently I saw there was a quote from Dallas Cowboys, vice president of player personnel development, Will McClay. He said, he's got the speed that you look for in, in linebackers for today's game. It's a space game, run and hit. We love his special teams potential as well. So that's awesome. I know Christian Holmes had an interception this past week in OTA. So the three guys that got drafted are performing really, really well. And kid, how do you feel about, how do you feel about your guy uh, D harp with, with the Cowboys and his chances of getting some run? It's we talked about it when he got drafted, it seemed like a really nice fit, just the way that depth chart shakes up. I mean, outside of Parsons and Vander Esch, there's not a ton of depth there. I mean, they, they moved Jalen Smith for a reason. I think there's a spot there for him. And, and if he's not, you know, on the, on the you know, roster come day one, he's for sure going to stick around practice squad. He may hang around. I, I frankly think he will uh, make the roster uh, in this fall. And uh, frankly, the Cowboys could use him. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you, Dustin, that we just named three guys in minicamp, all three on the defensive side. I mean, that that's, that's a little weird to still think about that that's the case. And, and all three have a shot at making a roster here. Two of them the same position. 
hundred percent. I mean, we talked about that when they got drafted about what that would do for the ability to recruit linebackers to Oklahoma state. And you're seeing it. Oklahoma state's already in on a bunch of guys that are high impact players in 2023. So you may even see a quick return uh, on that type of publicity. Yeah. I mean, you hit it, you hit it right on the head. We just saw with the ninth commitment that Oklahoma state got, which we'll get to soon. They've got the 21st ranked recruiting class right now in 2023. And that, I know it's a little early, but for them to be in that top 25, and I think I think they have a chance to hang around in that area, maybe get up a little higher. You know, we've pretty consistently seen them in prior years be in the 30s, high 30s, maybe even sometimes cracking the 40s. And now we're seeing these last couple of years, they may be in the 20s, maybe in the top 25, maybe get to the high teens. So it's pretty awesome, and a lot of it is due to some of the quality players they're getting on the defensive side of the football. And as long as they keep putting guys in the NFL – that's going to keep happening. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a huge recruiting win to be able to go into a linebacker's house and say, look, we just put two guys in the draft. You want to go play the, for the Dallas Cowboys? You want to go play for the Detroit Lions? You want to play in the NFL? You can come to Oklahoma State and play linebacker. But what a, what a what a pitch. I mean, there, there are not very many Big 12 schools. There's really probably only three, maybe four that can say that. So anyway, I, I think it's yeah. a huge advantage. No, I completely agree. Yeah, you know, Dustin, on a little bit of a more disappointing note, uh, Chris Carson, uh, it's been a long road back after this neck injury he suffered last year. Uh, and it it doesn't sound like things are getting any better uh, over there. And, and it sounds like they've got a couple of antsy weeks coming up uh, to see if Carson can make the field. Yeah, I saw a quote from Pete Carroll. I believe this was on a Pokes Report article saying, so Carroll says, so now we're into the next phase of it. We'll see what happens here. Just hold out good hope because he's worked really hard. He really wants to come back and all that. But I can't tell you anything for certain now at this point. So the fact that we could have known, been giving us the green light, that didn't happen. It sounds, Cade, like there's a chance. And I don't know if you've seen any of the pictures of what they actually did to his neck, but it's wild. Like the metal stuff that they put in there and everything. It sounds like he may not there's a chance he may not play again. Yeah. And, and Pete Carroll didn't, didn't really mince words about it. Uh, it, it didn't seem, you know, he, he was kind of coded, but he also used words like the end and he's battling and he's facing an uncertain future. Like it doesn't sound great. And I, frankly, I didn't realize it was going to be, it was a significant injury when it happened, but I didn't know it was potentially career threatening, but anything to the neck or the head, I mean, it always has that possibility. Yeah, it sounds like he's going to have another medical assessment in a couple weeks, and they'll know a little bit more from that. But it doesn't sound good right now. And, you know, Cade, we talked about it off air. One of the, you know, most well-known, I think, Cowboys in the NFL right now with his performance in recent years is one of the top running backs in the NFL. So it's, it's tough no matter how your performance has been to see this happen to a guy that made it that far. But definitely tough to see a guy like Chris go down that, has really produced since he got in the pros. And Pete, Pete Carroll referred to him as one of his favorite Seahawks ever. So uh, definitely a beloved guy, uh, important for Oklahoma State, important for the Seahawks. You just, you just hope the best there. Um, and I, I just hope that that ends up being the case, that he can end up getting back on the field because he's had a really nice career up to this point, has had issues staying healthy. But when he is healthy, 
man, he's, he's really, really good and tough to bring down. And you could see why a coach like Pete Carroll would, would appreciate him that much. Yeah. hundred percent. So hopefully he can get back at it. This next medical assess- assessment goes well and we see him back on the field again soon. Well, Dustin, you already mentioned it, you know, uh, switching subjects here for just a minute. You already mentioned it as we talked about linebacker recruiting. I mean, Dustin, what's the latest on, on the recruiting front this week? Yes. Okay. Commitment from Cameron Hurd that he was one of the guys, you know, we talked about last week, Oklahoma state had a bunch of camps going on. They had the two mini camps. They had the, the show, which is a lot of the skill position guys. They had the down and dirty lineman camp. Apparently also the youth camp went really well. I think they had to stop taking applicants because it was so full, but this is one (laughs) of the guys who was at the show and they received a commitment from him. He's a five, 11, six foot, 170 pound, 2023 guy from Houston, Texas, Fur High School. He debuted after the commitment, I believe, on 247 Sports. He wasn't ranked before that. So now he's graded as an 88, which is a high three star. He's around the top 50 at the wide receiver position. That's where he projects to play at Oklahoma State. He plays quarterback, though, yeah. at Fur High School. And if you've watched any of his highlight tape, Cade, it's basically just zone read and him flying by everyone yeah. down the field. A little bit of QB power, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> he runs so a 10 8 100. That's amazing. Yeah. He's the way he gets, you need to go watch his huddle tape if you, if you haven't uh, talked to the listeners. The way he gets away from not only the first, second, and third level of the defense so quickly is pretty amazing. He, he had about 15 other offers, Arkansas, Louisiana, Lafayette, Louisiana tech, Sam Houston, South Alabama, Tulane, Tulsa. So not a ton of big time names, but I think this is one of those Casey Dunn, Mike Gundy, finding a guy who's not very well known. Like I said, not ranked on two, four, seven, getting him. He's kind of blowing up, getting him in quickly. And then you see him become one of the top guys in college football. I know that's a little bit of lofty expectations from just a commitment, but I I could see that happening with a guy like this. I I could too. And at 5'11", 165, body by glass, he's 5'11", 180, probably going to grow a little bit. I mean, he's going to be six foot 180, six foot one even. I mean, he's, he's going to be a nice size receiver with that type of speed. I mean, it doesn't take a lot to see him being a, a pretty good player for Oklahoma State in the future. I mean, especially if he's not done growing, which I wouldn't imagine he is at, you know, 17, 18 years old. So, yeah. And l- like we mentioned, he's the freak athlete. Some of his measurements and some relatives at the, at the show camp, he ran a 4.4940 and had a 36.6 inch vertical. So yeah, when you're seeing yeah. that from a guy who hasn't even made it to body by glass, like you said, yet you've got a lot to work with there. And he was the 4A Texas, Texas uh, MVP after that season. He only threw the ball 90 times, 714 yards, four touchdowns, but he rushed for over a thousand yards and 11 touchdowns on just 94 carries. Yeah. And you, you touched on it earlier, but you love beating out schools like Arkansas and Texas tech. I mean, those, those are schools that you're consistently recruiting against. It feels good to get one against Arkansas, especially. And Texas Tech has been recruiting really well. So it's a nice job from Casey Dunn and Mike Gundy uh, to go get Cameron Hurd out of Houston because I know that's probably a competitive recruiting ground down there for those schools. Oh, completely agree. And just to recap, you know, once we get into the 
15, 16, 17 numbers. We won't do this every time, but <laughs> just to recap the commits so far, you've got Zane Flores at quarterback. You've got Cam Hurd at wide receiver, Billy Walton at that Leo position, Dylan Smith corner, Jaden Foreman at defensive line, Cam Franklin, another defensive back, Ricky Lolahia at defensive line, Jack and Dean offensive tackle and Jacoby Sanders, Stillwater zones offensive lineman. Yeah. So you got a pretty good, you got a pretty good variety there so far, you know, you're missing some positions, your linebacker, things of that nature. So we'll kind of see where they, where they go from there moving forward. But uh, yeah, it's a, I think it's a big time get. And like I said, this is a guy that I think it was really awesome that Oklahoma state got in on him early. Yeah, no doubt. I think they had to, again, the, the, the measurables are there. Uh, the speed, the talent is there. You wonder how a guy in Houston like flies under the radar that that much, according to his offer list. High three star. Uh, I would ex- have expected more than Arkansas and Texas Tech. You know, he had like UTSA, had Arkansas Pine Bluff, Houston Baptist, but really those are the two biggest names out there uh, that Oklahoma State was going up against. So again, you know, a nice a nice win for Oklahoma State here. Yeah, and Caden, speaking of the speaking of the camps, there were four official visitors that attended uh, just over the week last week. So you had Jacoby Sanders, who we just talked about. He, so Jacoby was center at Stillwater. So he's very familiar with the Gundy family and 100%. snapping for Gage and Gunner. <laughs> and Gunner. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, he, he, I think is going to project more as a guard at the college level. Uh, along with him, we have our guy, Ricky uh, Lola, Hia, which I know I'm saying that wrong every single time, but he was oh, a teammate. Great. He was a teammate of Ollie Gordon at Euless Trinity. So both of them are commits that came and visited. And then you've got two guys who aren't committed who visited. You've got Jordan Sanford, a safety out of Mansfield, Timberview, and Jelani McDaniel out of uh, Waco, Tech, Waco Conley, which is, I believe, where Corey Black is from and where former Oklahoma State offensive lineman Trent Pullen, who was a transfer, I believe both of them are out of that high nice, school. So, nice pull there, Dustin. Yeah, that honestly, that's not in my notes. That's off the top of the head. Yeah. So <laughs> that big old brain of yours <laughs> helping us out so, again. Yeah. So Sanford's a six foot, 180 pound safety, like I said. And McDonald is a six, 290 pound athlete. I, I think he's another guy that plays quarterback, but I, I would expect him to maybe play on the defensive side, maybe defensive back or something like that at Oklahoma State. I love it. I love it. We'll be interesting to see where those kids end up for sure. And then, Cade, we've got some recent offers. And the first name, I'm already laughing because I just talked about pronouncing names wrong. But this is one of the Polynesian guys. This is a Benny Tonga's own Poasa Utu, I think is how you say it, from Kennedale, Texas. He's a 2023 linebacker. I just mentioned no linebackers yet in the class, no true linebackers. So this could be one of your first ones. This is another diamond in the rough guy. Oklahoma State's the first power five program to offer him. He was at the down and dirty lineman camp. Um, so he, I believe, has visited before. We'll see. We'll see where that goes. He's a six foot, like 200 pound guy. Played on played like as an edge rusher, but I think they see him more as a true linebacker. So we'll see. We'll kind of see what happens there. We got Joshua Smith, a 2024 tight end prospect. Uh, Danny Okoye, he's an edge. 6'5", 233 pounds. He's uh, from NOAA, which is the homeschool association in Tulsa. Apparently he, I read an article about him. Apparently he's actually taking classes online, but he falls into the Northeast Oklahoma Association of Homeschools. He is a 
monster. I'm assuming he spends all his free time working out because he is huge. He's got offers from Texas Tech, North Texas, and UTSA as well. Sheesh. Another guy not yet rated. And well, then you've got yeah, uh, you've got Bergen Kaisar, defensive lineman in 2024 from uh, Edmond Santa Fe, and that is that is all of the major ones. There was one that came out right before the podcast. Cade, uh, pull up his name real quick. Logan Saldate. He is a wide receiver out of Salinas, California, 2024 guy. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know much about him. This literally happened right for the pod. Five, five foot 11, 185 pound multi-sport athlete guy. You know, Gundy loves those. So anytime Casey Dunn puts out an offer though, the guy's probably really good. And it's, so. it's, it's always intriguing, right? It's like, you could always envision that player fitting in Oklahoma state system. I mean, I literally just Googled this guy for the first time ever. Five eleven, one eighty-five, 185 has good speed. Very clearly. Uh, I mean, this would be a good fit. You could see it working out and a nice offer list to uh, Cal Oklahoma state, Washington, uh, and is, has some interest from Boise state, Michigan state, UCLA, no offer yet, uh, but could definitely see that happening. So nice, nice call out there, Dustin. And he's 2024. So yes. got a couple years to go. Hey, how do you feel about the, the homeschool six, five, 230 pound guy? Well, can I ask an ignorant question? And I'm sure it's, it may I probably not, don't know the answer, but you can ask it. It may not be one that our listeners are thinking, but it's one I'm thinking. Where, where does a homeschooled uh, football player play football? On the, on the homeschool association team. No, I, I didn't even know that that existed. Yeah. They, they have uh they have it in basketball as well. I remember that growing up, they'll have like a team. fantastic. Yeah. Didn't know it was a thing. Dustin, your brain's huge, man. <laughs> well, that was a lot of me talking, but some interesting guys. Whenever they have the not the unranked guys in the 2023 class that we're kind of throwing offers out to at positions that you don't have a commit from, like Utu, anytime Benny Tonga's involved, I'm assuming this is going to be another guy that we haven't heard a lot about, and he ends up starting for Oklahoma State in a few years. Yeah, right. I, and it, and Benny Tonga is to the point where it's like if he recruits a player, it seems like that player is is at least contributing. I mean, the list is getting pretty long of nose guards that Benny Tonga has recruited that have contributed. <laughs> so, see, it seems like he's got something going there. No, I completely agree. Well, Dustin, thank you as always for that recruiting update. It's always interesting to see what happens week to week. Uh, anything else before we move on to basketball? There were a couple of uh, there were a couple of top lists uh, of some guys we've mentioned on the podcast. Kenyon Sadiq, he was one of the Idaho receivers that Casey Dunn offered. That's as right. you mentioned, we were talking about them because Casey Dunn actually went to college at Idaho, so he offered those two receivers. So. A top eight for him with Oklahoma State, Colorado, Iowa State, Michigan, Oregon, Washington, Washington State, and West Virginia. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But he would be a big, a big get. Six three, two hundred twenty pound wide receiver, and then twenty twenty three edge rusher Trey Wilson also put Oklahoma State in his top eight. He has Baylor, Miami, Nebraska, Stanford, USC, Utah, and Washington. He had thirty two offers total, and he cut that down to eight. He's a six four, two hundred thirty pound edge guy from garland texas i i don't know how in oklahoma state is with him he's got some big schools on that list so we'll see where that goes but it's nice to be included on the top eight for a guy uh, a guy that highly recruited 
Yeah, 100%. I, Kenyon Sneak is a very interesting player. Uh, love what they have in Wilson, too. I, it's They're going to have to beat out some tough competition for these guys, though. The offer oh, yeah. lists are, are pretty decorated, as you just said. So, No, I completely agree. And, Cade, my last note is I saw Robert Allen saying in an article recently that Oklahoma State is actually at the 85 scholarship limit. I thought when you and I tried to right. piece this, it literally – the hardest thing to do ever for our dumb brains, but <laughs> I thought we got to 84 and I thought I remember Pokes report saying it was 84. Kind hey, of, I mean, we checked ourselves against it, but it's, it sounds like they might be full. So maybe they will not be getting another a very real not be trying chance. to get anybody else. There's a very real chance. I lost count somewhere between one and 85. <laughs> so uh, who knows, but no, th- my, my theory was, I kind of told you this either we had it wrong or which Somebody got moved up. I mean, the, us getting it wrong is not not crazy, as we're going to tell you about here in the basketball segment too. But um, back to this note, like I would wonder if if a walk on received a scholarship that we just haven't heard about yet. That seems to be the most logical scenario because again, we did look at this. We've been talking about it forever. Um, so anyway, be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, Kate, that's all I got on recruiting this week. Well, good deal. Dustin, appreciate your rundown as always, and our listeners do as well. Before we get to basketball, let's take a break and hear a word from one of our sponsors. All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are leading the charge in premium vintage collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies with over a hundred schools available. And I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. This is the perfect gift. Uh, Home field apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out and use our promo code feels 12 to get 15% off your first order. And of course, all orders over a hundred dollars get free shipping as always promo code Feels 12, 15% off your first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping at Homefield Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. All right, Dustin. Uh, I don't know if we have crow to eat, but we certainly need to talk about this. Talked about Courtney Ramey. I I mean, we, we talked about this for quite some time, and apparently that was stupid of us because we were... Like we had heard some stuff, but it was only just rumblings. And we even told you that on last week's podcast as we had started to hear more and more that Ramey might have been a pipe dream. But it appears that it was as Courtney Ramey selects the Arizona Wildcats. Yeah, our guy, uh, Scott King at SC King, he, he quote tweeted the announcement from Tipton Edits and said, this will not make the guys on Feels Like 45 pod happy. And Scott. You're right, my man. We weren't happy about it. Yeah, we're going to get a one-star review for that one. I mean, we were we were pretty far out there. You know, you can't you, – you We were willing miss, it. We were trying to will it. You miss every existence. shot you don't take, right? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where we're at. Like, we're going to get some right. We're going to get some wrong. But you're going to hear about the ones we get right. And, and this is an example of the character that Dustin and I have. We are owning up to it, uh, but it's not like we did anything wrong. Thought he was coming to Oklahoma State for a little while there, and it got quiet, and and that's where you end up. And we we saw what was it maybe late last week, Arizona and West Virginia that he had kind of, of narrowed schools, it down to those West two. West Virginia didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, so 
it was right after the podcast. I think we saw that. And so after that, I, I was thinking it was going to be Arizona <laughs> looking at those two, I guess, you know, who knows, but um, yeah, Cade, what, what are your thoughts? So what, what does that, what does that lead us to for next, well, next season? Any concerns there? Uh, no. Well, I mean, maybe, <laughs> can I give you a maybe? Because we <laughs> talked about this last week. You said if, if Courtney Ramey doesn't come to Oklahoma state, what do they do? I said, you just welcome your starting point guard, Avery Anderson, back with open arms. And Avery did announce he's officially coming back to Oklahoma State. Not that it was ever much of a question when he announced he was coming back to school, but he did put out a tweet uh, saying as much. So I didn't even think it was really a question, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think when you've got, you got the new incoming transfer, right, and Anderson kind of at a one and two combo, both playing one, both playing two, I think you can handle a lot of the point guard responsibilities from those two. And I think both those guys can score really well. So I'm not, I'm not super concerned, but getting Ramey would have been big time. It would have been, it's not going to make or break Oklahoma state. I actually back in, back in the heyday of uh, our old, our old brand that we used to operate under. Um, I wrote an article about how Courtney Ramey wouldn't make or break Oklahoma state. And unbelievably I, that same exact sentiment is true again, what three and a half, four years later, because it was, it was exactly like this. Oklahoma state needed a point guard badly. And it was Courtney Ramey that they were going after to fill that slot. Didn't get him, but ultimately they've got somebody there that I do believe can handle the load. And it's Avery Anderson. If he just can clean up the turnovers, that's step one, two, and three for me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, th- I think, I think what they did in the transfer portal, I, I like what I'm seeing you know, not not the biggest big time transfers ever, but I like what I've watched from the guys that are coming in. Me too. I like what I like. So I like the guys that Oklahoma State has on the team already. Who you know we talked about a lot last season, and I think I think it's going to be a fun season. I you know I still have faith in Coach Boynton to kind of to do something with the roster he has. So yeah, I, I do too. And it's a big year for Mike Boynton. I mean, I'm not I'm not throwing out anything hot takey, so don't ask. But I I do think that this might be the most important year that he's had at Oklahoma State outside of year one. Year one was, let's get this thing righted. Let's right the ship, uh, and let's win a couple games that we shouldn't, and they did. Um, this is his most important year uh, outside of that. Yeah, yeah, I think it is too. He's, he's still got the sanctions and everything to deal with, but they're not – you know, he, he can, the postseason ban is gone. It's just the scholarship productions, what, which it looks like maybe they're going to take one of those this year. Now that Ramey's now they should, in my opinion. So yeah, unless somebody falls in their lap. Right. And we'll, we'll just kind of see where it goes. He's, he's riding off some big time momentum though. Okay. I I mean, is he, is he well coming off the, uh, the USA 2022 FIBA (laughs) under 18, championship gold he is he is a gold medalist so i i was more thinking oklahoma state momentum i was like are you referring to the texas tech win like three months ago or i wasn't following you there your big brain and my small brain sometimes we the frequencies are off so well it it obviously didn't help him much last season because i believe they won it as well last season when he was well it was on the last last year was all about the sanctions this year you made a great point it's not it's not all about the sanctions and they have they have pieces i mean avery anderson musa cisse bryce thompson you could even throw tyreek smith in there caleb boone those 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 are guys that you can win with 
and I still think the magic number in the Big 12 is eight. I think eight wins gets you very, very close to an NCAA tournament bid. If not, most years, a lock. And I, I need to do the research on that. But eight wins usually gets you there. So I think there's eight wins on the schedule for Oklahoma State this year uh, with Avery Anderson at point guard and, and the guys I just mentioned. I think they also added some really quality depth. Heard John Michael Wright is kind of a dog. Like that's what people are yeah, saying. Yeah, we it's been it's been all good news on that front from everything from everything. So you maybe and I heard maybe we just didn't think that that would be the case. And he can handle the ball. I I think you know when we did the breakdown when I did the breakdown on him on Twitter, that's just he wasn't used as the primary ball handler the majority of the time, but he can handle the ball and he can facilitate. Hundred percent. I I think they've got three really nice portal additions that fill areas of need for this team. I think maybe, maybe part of the turnover issue was Avery needing to do too much. And, and there were times he was the only, uh, he was the only creator on offense. He still might be, but John Michael Wright can go get a bucket. I mean, so can Caleb Asbury. I think they've got some initiators on offense that they may not have had last year. And a little bit more shooting. <laughs> Any shooting would be good yeah. uh, compared yes. to last year. So yeah, totally agree with you, Dustin. And as you said, Mike Boyne is riding a little momentum coming off that gold medal win. The storyline there outside of the gold medal is the connection with Brandon Garrison. We've talked about him on this podcast before out of Dell City. 24-7 has him listed at 6'8", 220, I, or 200, I think is what they actually have him at. I'm telling you, 6'10", 220. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what my eyes tell me. He's a big kid. Uh, Oklahoma State needs him. And uh, – by all accounts, him and him and Mike Boynton were were pretty cozy uh, on this trip together. Yeah, it's big time that he's able to kind of do that little bit of extra recruiting there. I, I saw Garrison was coming off the bench, only like six points a game, but I think he was extremely efficient in the in the minutes that he played. And like you said, he's the number 60, I think, overall prospect in the 2023 class. He's got some big names coming after him, Arkansas, Kansas, OU, Texas, Texas A&M, just to name a few. But I think Oklahoma State has a real shot, and he would be, a, like you said, a huge kid out of Dust yeah, City. I, I think so, too. And I, I think Oklahoma State was just in on him so early. As Mike Boynton does, it's going to be a tough relationship to overcome for any other program. I mean, Porter Moser is one that I look at. Like, he, he doesn't have the time that a Mike Boynton has had uh, to recruit him. I mean, Porter Moser has only been around for a year. So you, we'll see what happens. Arkansas – is becoming is a a regional threat right now to pluck out anybody from Oklahoma. So you hope that's not a a, a thing. But I, I think Oklahoma State is as good a shot as any, and maybe should be considered the front runner right here, right now, as it stands today. I agree. I I know people don't want to hear us, you know, making these claims right after our <laughs> Courtney Ramey ones, but I agree with you. Well, if if this one doesn't uh, pan out, then like man, I I may just hang it up. But yeah, no, I like where yeah, Oklahoma State's too. at and. It's tough to land, guys. I mean, we liked Anthony Black for a long time, but we did even say that things were looking a little dicey there, and then all of a sudden Arkansas comes out of the blue. And I mean, we'll tell you if things are looking dicey, but right now things look good with Brandon Garrison. So just to recap, if Brandon Garrison doesn't come to Oklahoma State, the podcast is over. <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to get a one-star review finally, but uh, <laughs> that hasn't happened yet, so we'll see what happens. Well. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we save this clip because yeah. he's definitely going to come. There was, if there not, was a couple... then we had extreme technical difficulties, and this is why the pod never released. 
Um, there was a couple of other offers out, Kate. I mean, we don't have to go into detail on them that uh, came out recently. You know, Oklahoma State, when Parker Fredrickson decommitted, they don't have a 2023 commit. That's, a, you know, Brandon Garrison's class. They just recently offered four-star forward Keanu Dawes out of Houston, 6'8", 210-pound power forward wing. Also in the mix, 2023 wing, uh, Garrick Normand, who uh, is, an, uh, like I said, another 2023 guy there. And J- Jamarion Keller out of Kyleen, Texas. He's 6'1", 190-pound combo guard. So Mike Boynton and staff are throwing out some offers to the, these 2023 guys. They want to land somebody. Yeah, 100%. As they should. And, and they're recruiting a bunch of long athletes, as Mike Boynton loves to do. Keanu Dawes at 6'7", 210. I mean, they, they just love to load that front court with, with, with guys that can move and that are long and athletic. Um, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. That's what he does. Yeah, so we'll kind of we'll see where that goes. I think they also had a recent visit from, from another four-star guy, Brandon Williams, uh, I think, uh, sorry, not a recent visit, visit. He's planning on taking a visit. I saw in a 247 article, he mentioned Oklahoma State would be one of the schools he would plan on taking a visit to. He's a 6'7 guy out of New York, uh, Middle Village, Christ the King. I think he's number 89 in the 247 sports rankings right now. So we'll see We'll see what comes out. We'll see if he actually sets up the visit. But they're going They're going after these 2023 guys hard after the Fredrickson decommitment. Yeah, Brandon Williams seems like, I mean, him and UCLA appear to be pretty cozy, went out on an official visit there in August, uh, or is going out on an official visit in August, I should say. Um, but, you know, again, you got to like your chances there um, with, with a guy like Brandon Williams and Mike Boynton recruiting in his backyard in, in yeah. New York. I mean, you yeah, hope, always maybe feel comfortable with that. Uh, you definitely do. Maybe something comes uh, to fruition. We haven't really seen that yet uh, with any of these guys yet. So, yeah. Dustin, great job there. Um, before we move on, I did want to take a quick break and say thank you to sponsor the Feels Like 45 podcast, Price Buckley with Edward Jones. Price is the fourth generation in his family to graduate from Oklahoma State University, and he loves working with fellow alumni. Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to your unique goals and circumstances so that you can turn your ideal future into a reality. You can reach Price at 469 757 0290 or on his website at edwardjones.com forward slash price hyphen Buckley, B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. Dustin, I mean, just a couple of other housekeeping items to get to before we move on to questions, which we have a, a, a wealth of questions this week, which is fantastic. <laughs> we'll get to that here in a little bit, but a couple of things to clean up. We had a question about this, actually. What are, what's Oklahoma State baseball and softball going to do in the transfer portal? I think, Dustin, maybe even just kick us off with that question, um, and we could kind of answer it that way. Yeah, so we got, we got one basically kind of on the path forward on baseball, and then we got an actual softball transfer portal question. So we can hit the softball one first. This is from our guy, Ross Lawyer, at rlawyer underscore 212. He actually corrected me on something last week. Thanks, Ross. Uh, not like – I made that sound rude. We just had a conversation <laughs> and he was asking me a question about it, but I keep including Kylie Naomi in the seniors that have no eligibility left. And she actually does have a year left, I believe due to the COVID year. So um, she, I said that on the last podcast that she was gone. I don't believe she will be leaving, but he says with Petty Evans, Hobson and Sparks in the transfer portal, do you think Kenny G hits the portal to find a second baseman and left fielder? 
also odds to land Miranda Ellis's sister, Madeline, from the portal. And Ross, thank you for that question. It's a great one. Just to kind of recap what he said in that question, if you haven't seen either on D1 softball or extra inning softball, the transfer portal, Bree Evans, Cowgirl second baseman, the true freshman, pretty high recruit that came in and played a lot early in the season. Carly Petty, who we saw big time, making some big time plays at bat in the postseason. Avery Hobson, the speedy left fielder. And then Tatum Sparks, who we didn't get to see a lot this season, but another another solid recruit, have all entered the transfer portal from Oklahoma State. So Ross is asking if, if we think Kenny's going to go out there and get anybody from the portal. I mean, Kate, just looking at recent history, that's – Kenny Gajewski has dominated the transfer portal. He's absolutely going to. He's absolutely going to go out and get somebody. You know, Carly Petty and uh, Bree Evans entering was, was a little surprising – but that's just the nature of the game right now in all of college athletics. You allow these athletes to transfer once with no penalty. You might as well take it if you're not all the way in. Um, I think they're going to go find somebody and hopefully, you know, wish the best to those two and, and anybody else that's transferring. I think what you got to remember too, Cade, and I do think Kenny will go look for some depth at second base and some outfield there but we, we saw petty struggle a little bit yeah, in right field especially late in the season we saw Bree kind of start dropping off at the plate and have a little bit of issues at second base so both of them that's pretty much all of your second base production out of those two right there yep. but you have to remember like i said naomi's coming back you've got hayden sokoloski who we talked about on the last podcast right. the number 17th overall ranked recruit who can play shortstop second base pretty much anywhere in the infield you've got lexi mcdonald coming and you've got Claire, Tim. These are all infielders I'm talking about. And not to mention Edwards, who we talked about reclassified from 2023 to 2022, who also plays in the infield, in the middle infield. So you've got some really talented players coming in. And I think Kenny might have just been straight with Evans and Petty and let them know that their spots may be in jeopardy. Like, not that they weren't going to play at all. We saw, you know, Bree Evans hit above 400 for a major part of the season, but you've got some really, really talented players coming in and you may not be an everyday starter. And like you, like you already mentioned, they may just not have wanted to deal with that. Yeah. There's, there's a thousand different reasons somebody can transfer and that recruiting class you just listed off. They're going to be fine. A lot of talent coming in Um, again, the transfer portal is always there. So um, it's, it's not backbreaking by any means. Again, you just wish the best for those two, but um, yeah, Evans' production declining at the plate. Carly Petty, as you mentioned, struggling in right field. I mean, I, I think they'll be okay. Yeah, I agree. It, Hobson's a big loss, too. We saw her used a lot as a pinch runner and sometimes as a pinch hitter. She yeah, played definitely. a little bit in left field. Very fast, seemed like a solid fielder, good bat, a uh, little bit of a kind of like slap hitter type there. Yep. But she'll, she'll be a, a, a big loss. But I think any anytime I see somebody leaving – cowgirl softball i think it's got to just be kenny being straightforward because you've heard him talk about the conversations he had with kelly maxwell with chelsea alexander telling them hey you know i don't know if you're going to be an everyday player here unless you improve it it seems like he's pretty straightforward with these ladies and i think he probably just had honest conversations and they just decided to move on somewhere else yeah it's pretty interesting i mean those conversations happen i mean a lot and the fact that the transfer portal is so open now 
does it not give a coach even a little bit more freedom to, to have a, a difficult conversation like that? Just say, Hey, look, this is not working out for us and it's not working out for you. So I don't know if this is going to be the right fit for you. Like the portal is there. You can transfer with, with no penalty. I haven't ever really even thought about it from that angle. Um, I'm, I'm curious to know your thoughts there. Oh no, a hundred percent. I think, I think as long as they can do it in a way where it doesn't damage their reputation as a good coach, a player's yeah. coach, someone players want to play for. And I think Kenny's been, he's so honest on, I, I mean, if you've ever listened to his radio show, he tells, he tells you like it is. And yeah. it's, he's not really sugarcoating it, but he does it in a respectful way. And you can tell these girls like playing for him. So I, I, I completely agree with you. It gives him a little bit more freedom when you're a top tier school like Oklahoma State is in softball to say, you know what, your spot may be in jeopardy next year. I just wanted to let you know in advance. So if you want to move on, you can. Yeah. I, I think it's I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, and and the other part of Ross's question there was around Maddie Ellish and she's what? in the portal. I mean, does that not like make a lot of sense? We just saw her uh, play against Oklahoma State in the college world series and she enters the portal sees how much her sister loves Stillwater. that feels like serendipitous well it's almost the exact opposite of what we're just talking about so <laughs> it is Ma- madeline ellis isn't playing a lot at arizona but you've seen what the oklahoma state coaching staff has done developing pitchers i mean just recently with kelly maxwell turning her from someone that kenny thought maybe couldn't play at oklahoma state to one of the best, if not the best pitcher in college softball this past season. So, you know, Maddie sees that she sees her sister on staff as a grad assistant. Why not come over if, and see if she can develop into something. And and if it doesn't work out, maybe you move on again, but you get to hang out with your sister and work with one of the best coaching staffs in the country. Yeah. It makes a ton of sense. I mean, book that one. That's, that's a Cade Webb guarantee right there. Take that one to the bank. <laughs> I love that. And then, on the flip side with baseball, we had a question from our guy, Caden McCombs. It's kind of a long one, but just to kind of summarize, he's asking after kind of failing to make it past the regionals, all the, all the preseason hype, all the even season hype with the getting the top eight national seed, where does the program go from here? He's kind of asking, is Josh Holiday the right one? You know, we've seen guys come in and develop but we've also seen some guys not be able to develop like in the pitching staff things of that nature he wants to know should you know should there be some concern with how Oklahoma State is moving forward and is you know kind of Josh Holiday the guy he's not calling for Josh's head by any means but he's just kind of wondering where the baseball team goes from there and it's a tough question I mean it's tough because there's multiple parts to it yes I think Josh Holiday has earned some runway um, I will say, though, it doesn't feel good getting bounced out of your own regional. Um, it doesn't feel good getting swept at Supers that you hosted. It doesn't feel good, you know, only getting to one College World Series in the last 11 years. It's, it's tough. And I think that Oklahoma State, this was really the first time I felt, outside of that Supers series against UC Irvine, but they got to the Supers. Like, this was the first time I was really kind of disappointed in the way the season went as a whole. Like, I, did, I wasn't able to look back and think, well, there were some highs, um, you know, there were lows, but overall, like they did what I, I guess I would have hoped they would. I'm not sure I can say that. I mean, they hosted a regional 
and, and there are several reasons why that could have been the case uh, outside of even the play on the field. So um, I'm not saying anything there, Dustin. I'm just saying that um, it was a disappointing season. Josh has earned the runway. The question about development in the pitching staff is a, is a great one. And it's one that I don't think there's a comfortable answer for. I think somebody's got to be able to answer for that. I think it's glaringly obvious and, and, and the entire pitching staff catching the yips at the exact same time with your season on the line is not, it's not great. It can't happen. And somebody has got to be responsible for that, either fixing it or being responsible for it. Yeah. I, and yeah, I agree. I, I think the, the development from some of the bigger time guys you get in either through transfer through high school, you haven't seen it as much recently guys kind of developing into some big time superstars. You've got the Justin Campbell, but then guys like Bryce Osman, you know, he had a great season this year until he got hurt, but you've seen a lot of inconsistencies there. Mitchell stone, another guy who just never was able to really completely figure it out. Even though we got some great performances from him late in the season they were just kind of few and far between. So I know some people are starting to talk about Rob Walton, maybe being on the hot seat. I, I just, I don't know where I am with that. Cause he's, he's been such a great coach for so long, but the fact that you didn't even really have a reliable left-handed arm, you could bring out of the bullpen pretty much all season is a little concerning. So we'll see kind of where it goes from there. But, but Kate, I did, I did want to mention too, along with his question, we were talking about transfer portal. I did just want to mention a few of the guys in there, if that's okay. And we can kind yeah, of it's great. come back to the future just so I don't forget. So, so far in the portal are Garrett Martin. He had a, he played both some infield and outfield 48 at bats, 250 average, a couple homers, John Bay, who I think may be the biggest one out of this as, as far as kind of younger guys that we're going to start to play a little bit more played in the outfield. We saw him start a few games, 34 at bats, batting 324 in those 34 at bats. Caden Brumbaugh, infielder, he had that big three-hit game against West Virginia. He's an Edmund kid, 22 at-bats, 318 average. Huey Morrill, I'm assuming there that's just a, hey, I want to go back to playing the infield and Holiday saying, you know, we see more as a pitcher. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. we see more as a pitcher. And then lastly, uh, Colton Bowman, Bowman, he's a left-hander. They used him quite a few times, I think like 18, 19, 20 appearances in 2021, but we only saw him a few times in 2022. And he actually left, I think back in May, like I I think the season was still going on when he ended up entering the transfer portal. So those guys are all in and then Oklahoma State has actually gotten a guy already out of the transfer portal. Brennan Holt from LSU, he's a freshman, 5'9", 160 pound infielder, actually from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Parkview Baptist high school, which I had several friends go to high school there when I, when I was growing up there, but he, uh, he's kind of a shorter statured guy, but I think he's a pretty, pretty talented player. I I believe in high school he's ranked as one of the top five guys in Louisiana by prep baseball. So we'll see, we'll see. That's kind of a big time get. I I don't really expect him to start with Marcus Brown and Rock Riggio coming back, but at some good depth there, especially losing a guy like Caden Brumbaugh. Yeah, no doubt. I, any any time a player could wear that LSU logo, I think they can wear the Oklahoma State logo. You know, oh, that's yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a caliber sure. athlete. LSU. So, uh, so Kate, who's your who's your biggest loss out of there? I I struggle to go with Moral just because I, he was a great pitcher, but that's all I really saw him as there. I I think I'm maybe some some of the younger guys, maybe like a Bay or a Martin. I was actually gonna say John Bay is the one that I would be 
the most disappointed in. I, I think the key production they're losing this season is just due to eligibility. It's not really due to the transfer portal. Uh, so it's hard for me to get heartbroken about any one of them. But if I had to pick one, John Bay is probably the one that it's like, ugh, okay, Houston Morrill. I mean, he had he had been relegated to you know a a relief pitcher, and that's that's he had done well. He did well. He really did well. But that's probably not what he was most excited about doing after playing in the infield every day, um, and then going to the pitching staff, and then being relegated to relief work. I mean, playing only a couple times a week, maybe. Um, not shocking there. Not shocking. Yeah, and he's somebody will be missed. He had you know kind of an up and down career at Oklahoma State battling some injuries, but he was always a, a solid kind of all-around player, and he, he was a fun guy to watch. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Dustin, anything else with baseball that you wanted to touch on before we kind of moved on? No, just wanted to thank both Ross and Caden. Caden sent the question in the DMs. We had a nice little convo, and Ross and I also had a good convo in the DMs. So I appreciate you guys kind of reaching out. Uh, Caden and I are always down to chat at oh, any yeah. time. So You know it. You know it. Uh, Dustin, one, one quick you know, note to discuss here before we move on to listener questions. I mean, the U S opens this week, Brookline country club in, in, in Massachusetts, it's going to be a beast as it always is at the U S open, but you know, a couple of storylines, one Taylor Gooch, is he in the field or is he not? He is, he will play this week. Isn't he? Uh, the LIV tournament live golf. These guys are still going to be allowed to play in this tournament. And so Taylor Gooch will be there, but he's going to be included in that group of players. That's kind of like maybe socially outcasted. Uh, so yeah. it'll be, it's just going to be interesting. We're hearing a little bit of that already. Some, some snubs, some not saying hellos between the guys in the live tournament and the ones in the regular or just the, the PGA. So that's, that's a little interesting kid. We actually have two golf questions we could hit right now well let's why don't we go ahead and do it <laughs> i just thought of that so uh our guy cc at curse of cowboys who always gives us the over-unders he's got another good one for us will victor hovland shoot over or under par for round one at the u.s open Ooh, depending on the weather i'm gonna go over par but I think it's going to be like plus one. And I think he's only going to be like one or two off the lead. I think this course is going to be tough. Um, and I think the would play a fact trying to, but Dustin, while you're answering, I'm looking this up. What are your thoughts? I think I, I know he does really well in the first rounds. Normally he does. I think, he's usually I think even he, one under. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you. The court, I think the course is going to be hard. I haven't even looked at what the weather's supposed to be, but it's going to be pretty I think good I'm, on Thursday. I think I'm going to go with him shooting two under Whew. And, and looking good. If he's two Sitting under after pretty. day one, he's probably either T1 or like T2. Like, I, I think the leader at, you know, at the end of day one is going to be minus two or three. I, I think, yeah, I think I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to go with the under par. You're going with the over. I think it's a great line though, right at one. I, yeah, phenomenal. Your question. predictions are always way better than mine, especially with golf. So uh, love the, love the question. I'm a one hit always, wonder. Uh, I mean, calling out Scotty Scheffler <laughs> in the masters. I'm a one hit wonder, baby. Hey, you had the softball one too, though. That's predict- a good point, man. I am good at this, <laughs> but appreciate that. Uh, CC you're, we love, we literally love the over under. So we please really do. keep sending those. And then we've got one from our guy, Matt Claxton. Thanks, Matt. He, he's been sending some in recently. 
uh, at road crew one. He says, are you team torque or team crushers with the live <laughs> golf tour? And the reason why Cade, he picked those two teams is because crushers has Oklahoma state's very own Peter Uline and team torque is who Taylor Gooch is playing for. So which one of those Cade do you prefer torque or crushers? I mean, I don't even know what the heck this is and I've been keeping up with it pretty good, but, uh, <laughs> How about, how about the PGA? The I'm going to take the PGA <laughs> as the winner here. If, if we're playing golf as team torque or team crushers. You just, just so one of us answers Matt's question, I'm going to go <laughs> I'm, with torque. I'm trying to understand it better before I like get, throw me a bone here. I'm going to go with team torque captain by Taylor Gooch just because he's been the better Oklahoma state player as of late um, in, in the pros better than you line. And Team Torque, I, j- I just looked. They have they have more Americans than Team Crushers. So I'm, I'm going to go with America. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even – this is ridiculous. I told you about the names last podcast. Yeah, I guess that – Dustin, I have slept since then, sir. You know. it's my fa- that's literally my favorite part about the tournament, the names. Crushers smash punch and fireballs. I'm sorry. I've slept since then. You would think I would remember something so <laughs> profound. I'm going to go with Torque. I like it. It's a it's a cool name. And again, the real winner here is the PGA Tour, who who doesn't have names like that. Yeah, agreed, agreed. <laughs> uh, but Dustin, I mean, really, let we we got to pick a winner here. I think we did with the PGA too. I mean, who are you going with at the U.S. Open this week? I'm gonna go. Th- I'm just gonna keep talking about Hovland. I'm just gonna until go it th- happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like it. I, I really Who's do. Yours? Oh, it's tough. Um, I feel like John Rom could win it. Um, Rory is playing really, really well though right now. I wouldn't be surprised to see him make a run, even though he is the king of the backdoor top ten. Um, I, Rory or Rom, with my final answer being Rom, I, I think I feel pretty good about. I like it. That would be an interesting. That would be an interesting Sunday with Rory oh, and Rom in the mix. So sign, that sign would be up. awesome. Yeah, especially if Hovland was in there too. Yeah, well, I mean, I would prefer Hovland to win, but uh, yeah. he wins by like he wins by like nine strokes. Oh, it'd be a, just a runaway freight train. Be fantastic. The course probably does set up pretty well for him. He's a pretty accurate driver of the ball. I, the putter's got to be there though in a U.S. Open. Yeah, that's I, that's going to be the storyline. No, I, I in in all seriousness, I like I like the Rahm and Rory picks there for sure. But uh, but yeah, I'm just gonna say Hovland just to say it. Will it into nope. existence? Keep saying it. I'm just gonna break this down even further, and you're just gonna have to keep having to defend it. So that's 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 where we're at. No, I love it. I love it. Hey, did you see what was? I mean, the Mickelson interview yesterday, the Kefka interview today. I mean, the Rom interview today. This thing is crazy with the live tournament. Yeah, I saw earlier a post about Speeth and Billy Horschel talking and Kevin Notch saying, trying to say hey to Speeth and Speeth not talking to him or something like that. So <laughs> it's getting it's getting real interesting out there. I'd love a full out brawl on like hole eight, maybe well, in the middle of the fairway. Oh man, that would be pretty. Who would that be between? Is the question. I mean, Lee Westwood, he's in the live now. He's kind of a hot a hothead. Like, could that be between like Lee Westwood and Brooks Kepka? Oh, I would love to see it. Hey, I just want to point out too, if you go to ESPN.com right now, the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight trending headlines, the top headlines are all about live golf right now. <laughs> so 
That's why we're spending even this amount of time talking about it. It is maybe the biggest story in sports right now. And and there's Oklahoma State guys who are playing in it. So it I know it's it's, it's very it's weird. It's very relevant. weird. Rory says so. they took the easy way out. It's just a, a, a very weird time in this sport. And Phil Mickelson, I mean, golly, he didn't even look like Phil. Like he looked like Doc, he looked like Dr. Phil, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just it's gonna be really interesting. I feel like I feel like tempers are flaring and it it's gonna make for some interesting golf, even whether you like it or not, it's gonna make for some interesting golf whenever these guys are still playing in the pga you know who's gonna go in you know who's gonna go in after all this bryson dechambeau (laughs) i would hate that mark it down that's another guarantee all right dustin anything else we can flip it to questions if you'd like no i think we're ready we have one audio yeah we do have an audio i'm gonna get that pulled up here it's from our friend of the pod who's really becoming like our best friend of the pod, Ryan Winkles. He's basically Ryan, a guest every he, week. He really is. We can't pay you though. So don't, uh, <laughs> don't worry about that. Here you go. Hey guys. So we have a lot of new faces in the defensive backfield. And I was wondering if you could pick one corner and one safety uh, from the OSU football alumni, uh, who would your top picks be to add to this year's defense? And second question I believe you're both Thunder fans. I can't remember for sure. But if so, uh, who do you want the Thunder to take at number two? Oh, that's good. Ryan, thanks for that. It's a nice switch up. Everybody asks us OSU stuff. That's that's nice. Um, wow, Dustin, I mean, I don't know about you, but I would probably go, if I could pick one corner and one safety, I'm going to go with Christian Holmes, and I'm going to go with, Man, we need a cover safe. We need a maybe like a Trey let's Flowers. Keep it, let's keep it. Uh, let's keep it like Gundy era. Yeah, Trey Flowers well, is so what I was talking. thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I don't go back to the Finnamore days. You know this. If we're yeah, if we're keeping it Gundy era, I mean, I love like a Justin Gilbert. Yeah, that's actually probably a, a really nice. That's nice I was place. a big time Markel Martin fan. As I know a lot of people were, it, I mean, if you're not just keeping it to free safety, Daquan Lowe is another fan favorite or one, I mean, this fan favorite, uh, you know, you, I mean, AJ Green, Radarius Williams from, from recently, there's so many guys. I, I think I'm going to, I think I got to go with Gilbert at corner. I think that's and a great I, pick. And I think, I think that would be big time on this team, not only because he was such an amazing player, but if you could bring in a Justin Gilbert, who just seemed, you know, kind of like a leader, he was on special teams as well, kind of did everything big time, big time energy coming from him. That would be nice to have on this defense where there's some, you know, uncertainty losing a couple guys here and there and, you know, losing a couple guys who were leaders in the locker room. And then I think I'm gonna go with Markel Martin. I really like that. I, I love both of those picks. Markel crossed my mind. Gilbert is a good one. I, I think the reason I went with Holmes, one, he was fresh on my mind. We've talked about him. But Oklahoma State needed, probably could use a corner like that that did, they're just not going to throw at. Uh, so, like, you could even throw a Rodarius Williams in there. In that regard, like, Rodarius would be right up there on this list of corners that I would want. So that way you can, you know, potentially rotate in a Jabbar Muhammad and a Corey Black at that other spot. And just let let Rodarius or or Christian Holmes go, but I love the Gilbert pick. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And like, I feel like I've got just recency bias right now because I've been looking at the current roster so much. I'm like only thinking about guys from recently. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to hear us like break down like the 85 starting safety. Yeah, but but I do. Maybe the 45. Maybe the 45 starting safety, but. I do love that question. And on the Thunder question, uh, yeah, Kate, Kate and I are are pretty big Thunder fans. Um, it From everything I've heard, it sounds like the – it could be a smokescreen, but it sounds like the Magic want Jabari. So It's Chet, right? I, I think I think the pick that the Thunder would make it to if that happens is Chet. I, you know, there are some concerns with him, his body, how high is his ceiling on offense. But the way he could be – just kind of a key factor on your defense and the fact that his ceiling overall is so high. I I think he'd be a guy, he's a guy that you, if you don't take him, you could see yourself big time regretting it. If you do take him, you could see yourself regretting it big time down the road, but just knowing Presti, I I think it would be, he seems like a guy that he would pick there and I like him better in that spot than Paolo, but I could see him as well because he's such a good passer. I the frankly the Jabari Smith thing he's he's fantastic. Do not get me wrong, but I think Chet Holmgren is is a can't miss prospect to me. I think he you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. His ceiling is so high that you can't pass on him. That's the way I see it. And if the Magic are going to, then okay, like I would be perfectly fine with Jabari Smith at two. Would be fine with Paolo. The only one I would I would not be okay with is Jaden Ivey. I think he's the clear number four in this draft. Um, but Chet, like I would encourage the listener to go back and look at some of his his game film and some of his workouts. I mean, he is he's very gifted and he's very skilled as a as a ball handler. I think he's got a little bit of ways to go as a perimeter shooter, but he's already close. And, and you nailed it on the defensive end. Like I, I think Holmgren is, is very exciting. Yeah. He's, he's extremely exciting. If the thunder. So just to answer the question from the point if the thunder had the first pick, I would probably take Jabari as the kind of safer option that fits yeah, the thunder yeah. best right now. But I, I completely agree with all the sentiments about Chet. And if he is there at two, I think the Thunder 100% taking him. I know there's been some some rumors of Jaden Ivey <laughs> that the Thunder at really two? like him. But I would not oh. I would not like that at all. So I think it's between – it sounds like Jabari is going to go one to the Magic, and I like uh, Chet. I like Chet. I like Paolo as well. But I think I, think I would take Chet there at two if Jabari has gone. I mean, Jaden Ivey would – that would piss me off. Um, yeah. Not that he's not a good player, but he's and I, dude, I can't not do this podcast and throw my microphone across. The- <laughs> but I think Jay Nivey is just a clear number. Oh my god! There he goes. There's a ghost in there. Yeah, I'm getting attacked. It's the ghost of Jade Nivey attacking. The, these were actually the technical difficulties I was having earlier. I I couldn't uh, keep my microphone on the stand. <laughs> uh, just. Oh god. Take us home. Yeah. Let's uh let's hit these. Let's hit these other questions really quick. So we've got one from our guy M at underscore camera one underscore. Thanks, M, for the question. As always, he says, because this is a football plot again, what are your way too early thoughts on how Derek Mason might try to stop Lou Nichols from CMU? Dude led the nation in rushing rushing last season. So Cade, 
if you don't question. know anything about Central Michigan, Lou Nichols rushed for like 1,800 yards last year. Oh, my gosh. Now, again, that's against that's against CMU schedule when they – he only had 20 – I have his I have his game log up right now, and he only had 18 yards on 12 attempts against LSU and only 21 yards on 12 attempts against Miami, only 79 yards against Robert Morris, but that game was probably out of hand. But he had a lot of 100-yard rushing games and several 200-plus-yard rushing games. So this guy is a really good runner. According to Pro Football Focus, pretty even split between gap and zone running scheme. I pulled up a couple of his highlight tapes because I haven't watched a lot of Central Michigan yet. And it looked like he's kind of a big-time cutback guy and also someone that likes to bounce it to the outside. But, Cade, I think I think what M, our guy M is forgetting here is Bernard Raymond and Luke Gadecki on the offensive line for CMU, these two guys are in the NFL right now. Yeah, and they're not on CMU anymore. Well, so, I, I, just overall, the way I think Derek Mason attacks him, I still think it's going to be his two gaps, his two gap scheme. The edge guys are going to funnel the ball back inside of the linebackers. You're going to have to have sound play from the linebackers from your interior defensive linemen. But I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to face any different because Oklahoma State's defense should be able to manhandle a team like CMU. Even though I know I know they've been solid recently with McElwain at the head, but I, I don't think he's going to overemphasize anything on that side of the ball because you should be able to handle them, especially losing those two offensive lines. I couldn't agree more. I mean, this is this is Oklahoma State's strength as a football team is that defensive front. Um, I, I don't see them having much of an issue here. I mean, you always worry about a, a, a guy with talent like that, you know, breaking one or two loose on you um, on a, on a busted play, but you know, outside of anything like that, I think by and large, Oklahoma State shouldn't have much, much of a chat, much of a difficult time uh, containing Lou Nichols here. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, I was just joking, saying you forgot that. I know, I knew you probably knew that. You seem like a big CMU guy. No, but thanks for the question, as always. Those, are, those are always good thing. That was a good thinking one. I had to. I luckily saw that one earlier today, so I could look up a little bit more about Lou Nichols than I I just knew he rushed for a lot of yards last year. Um, next, we've got Cade Scott. He's at Stephen K. Scott underscore on Twitter. He says, what is Spencer Sanders' realistic ceiling this season, touchdown to interception ratio and team record? Also, how far off of a drop of, if any, will we have with Derek Mason? We lost some key pieces, but he had the fifth best scoring defense in the SEC last season. So, Kate, yeah. what do you think on the first one with Spencer Sanders? We kind of talked about it. Our guy CC put the over-under for interceptions at 10. I'll put the over-under for passing touchdowns at 19. I'm taking what the over. Think? I think they're just going to be so prolific. I think they're going to throw it around a lot. Um, I mean, so if the question is, I mean, if I'm just answering your question, I'm going to take the over. I think they're going to throw a lot of touchdowns and I think they're going to spread it around. Um, that's kind of the way I see it. I think the ceiling for him touchdown wise could be like a 23, 24, 25. Me too. And I think the ceiling, which would be reverse interceptions wise is seven or eight, but realistically I'm going, I'm thinking, I set the over at 19 on touchdowns. I'm thinking 21 TDs 
and I'm going to go with nine interceptions. That that's what I see. But I th- I think he still has several rushing touchdowns. And I still think has so a, too. A good think, season on the ground. I think I think he has a better season on the ground. I think we even talked about this. I think the offense being opened up more, and if they're going vertical, it's going to allow him to improvise more, which, as we know, can be a little bit dangerous, but a lot of times can lead to some really big runs for him. I, I think that's going to bode well for him, especially if things start going north and south, less east to west. I think he could really have a big season. Yeah, no, I agree. I, both of you, both you and I are high on Spencer Sanders. So I, I think, and team record wise, I, I think we've, I think both of us have said we could realistically see them getting back to double digit wins again. The 10. Oh, for right. sure. Yeah. They're 12 and so. 0. They're going to be 12 and 0. <laughs> and Kate has several caveats of, uh, if this yeah. happens, then they're yeah. going to you'll, you'll have to subscribe to our Patreon to get the full breakdown of why <laughs> that couldn't happen. No, but uh, love that question, Cade. And then the second part of his of his question is about Derek Mason and the defense dropping off. I think there's going to be some drop off there when you when Has you lose be. guys like Malcolm Rodriguez, Devin Harper, Colby Harvell, Peel, just to name a few. But both of your starting cornerbacks, Israel Antoine on the defensive line, you're going to take a step back. But I don't think it's going to be a huge drop off. I don't think it's going to be a Oklahoma State fans are in the stands or after the game begging for Jim Knowles to come back type of thing. I think this is still going to be a really good I, Cowboy defense. I think they have too much talent for it to be like that. Uh, and I think Derek Mason is – he's the biggest assistant coach Oklahoma State's had since Jim Knowles. So – and then, I mean, which outside of Jim Knowles, what I'm trying to say is Derek Mason's the biggest name that Oklahoma State's ever had as an assistant coach, I think. I, I don't yeah. – I can't remember another one. Uh, Dana would be really the only one I would think of there. So I think they're going to be fine. They got plenty of talent, and and let that defensive line anchor you. I think Xavier Benson, Mason Cobb, I think they're going to have some talent in that front seven. Just hold it down enough, get some pressure on the quarterback, and let your young corners – play with a little bit of reckless abandon. Um, I think they'll be fine. Yeah. I think, I think fans are going to be pleasantly surprised by what this defense does. This I think season. you're right though. Just to, just to wrap this up. I think you're right that they will take a step back. They have to, in, in my opinion. And if they don't, then Derek Mason's a wizard like Jim Knowles. That's yeah, what that would be, that would be amazing. If, if that happens, then, you know, they're going to the big 12 championship. Like, so there's one, there's one more to add to your list. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. <laughs> Okay, next we have uh, Glory Cowboy. He's been sending us some recently. Love these questions. Uh, he's at Gorig Sankar on Twitter. Who do you see as early contributors in this year's offense and defense from the freshman commits? And will OSU have an all-Big 12 first-team wide receiver this year? So on the freshman, Kate, I think, I think it's just the guys that we've been – that everybody's really been talking about your, your talent, Shetran, your Ollie Gordon are the two names that kind of stick out to me there. One other one who you and I have mentioned on the podcast a lot, who we know our, our, our friend, friend of the pod, Adam Lunt likes is cornerback Dylan McKinney. We saw him do some things in the spring. I, I don't know. I'm looking at the list of the freshman commits coming in. I don't know if there's anybody else that really stands out to me if we're just completely excluding redshirt freshmen. Yeah, I think, and, and we've said this ad nauseum. I, I think Talon Shetron's great. I think Ollie Gordon's great. Dylan McKinney's great. Those are the names to me um, that I think will contribute early and often as freshmen. 
That's where I'm at. If we're not counting special teams, for sure. Yeah, well. that's a really good point. I'm I'm really thinking that you know the the two deep on offense and defense. I'm thinking those are the three guys that I expect to see quite a bit of. Um, I think Braylon Presley. I think people would be will be surprised if they don't listen to this podcast to not see him play a ton. Um, I, I I think he could have an impact on special teams potentially, but I I think the plan is to let Brennan hold that role down and let Braylon get accustomed to the system, get his body ready. Um, and so I, I think that's really those three, you nailed it. And I don't think on our two deep that we've been kind of trying to keep updated. I don't think we have any true freshmen in the two deep on offense or defense. I don't, we do, we do not. Yeah, no, we don't. So, but there's a lot of talented guys. I mean, we've heard good things about Gabe Brown. You've got CJ Brown at running back, Landon Dean, <clears throat> Uh, all these guys coming in, even a Garrett Rangel, who, you know, is probably not going to get any run this year unless something catastrophic happens. Really talented class, but I, I just think the what Oklahoma State has on the roster right now in the more senior classes are uh, is, is, yeah. is who's going to be on the field. Dave Brown is still going to be really intriguing to me. I mean, he's one – I mean, I'm Dustin, I'm going to have to pull the sound bite, but you and, you and Adam kind of poo-pooed me. When I said Gabe Brown is somebody <laughs> that I'm looking forward to seeing only because I drew comparisons like about his situation. I think he's going to be a good player and you listed him off first. I don't know if you know this, but you listen to him off first. So yeah, uh, I've, I've heard the same things too. So um, going to be interesting. No, I agree. He's, he's solid. I, I would gladly be wrong on that one. Cause he seems like a solid player for sure. Uh, next we've got Hayden. He's at Hayden M underscore. OKST. I saw Kendall Daniels at the spring game towering over most people. Is he a source of hype for y'all too? Hayden, he's my main source of hype. I wake up in the morning, think about Kendall Daniels playing football next year, and I don't even need coffee. Uh, I knew you were going to say that. Um, absolutely a source of hype for this podcast. We got to get him on. I don't know what we have to do to do that. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's probably – who who else has been as hyped as him to you at this point? Ollie Gordon would be one, but yeah, he's, yeah. he's not been in there, the program yet. There's other names, but I think Kendall Daniels is a guy who we have so much hype around, and now we're hearing and seeing from the spring game that he's probably going to be a first-string guy, and it's just all kind of coming to fruition. So I'm very excited about yeah. watching Kendall Daniels, number five on this Oklahoma State defense. Yeah, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I think we've got two more. So we've got uh, Corbett Klein at Corbett Klein. Thanks, Corbett, for the question. He says, what's the next facility upgrade? A lot of oh. momentum on the softball, but have heard about a rest, wrestling facility outside of the locker room upgrades. What other things could OSU upgrade? Hmm. I, I mean, I think the – other thing, not to cut you off, Cade, I, I just remember seeing an art article or maybe it was a press conference with Chad Weiberg talking, and it was softball facility, wrestling facility, and then an indoor track, I believe, is the third thing that he said. So that would probably be my answer to the question because I know they don't have – the track team doesn't have anywhere to practice inside right now on campus, I don't think. Oh, that's wild. I didn't even yeah. think about that. Like a, like a full like practice facility. I mean, I, I don't know if you can build a softball stadium before you upgrade the wrestling facilities. 
Yeah. That gets a little weird for me. I know you just upgraded O'Bright. There's a football renovation going on. Like at some point, wrestling's going to start barking. If they're already not, I, I I'm going to go wrestling one softball two uh, because softball has made some stadium improvements. They've slapped a million logos on the on the wall. I don't know if you've noticed it, but yes. there's so many logos on the there's wall. A lot. It's insane. Um, but I think you got to go softball for, or I think you got to go wrestling first. Yeah, the, and wrestling just had, like Corbett mentioned, that locker room upgrade. But that I, I think the push is for a standalone wrestling facility. So that would be, yeah, if that would be great. I'd love to see that. Uh, softball would probably be next on the list. But it sounds like I think if Corbett, if you're asking what's another one that you didn't list off, the only other one I've heard is the track. The yeah, track. and that makes sense. I actually didn't know their situation was like that. Yeah. Um, so we've got, we've got one more left. Yes. One more. And this is from our guy, Brian Metcalf. Thanks, Brian, as always at Brian J Metcalf on Twitter. He says, where would you put the over unders at for the big 12 schools? And he gave us a little reference guide for help. So he's talking about the upcoming football season, the over under win totals. Those off and we can just kind of see which ones we disagree with. Yeah, well, Dustin, I can run right through them. I'm looking at it right now. These are courtesy of betonline.ag. Let's go Baylor at eight and a half over under. I'm going to go over. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the over as well. I think nine is great. Iowa State at six and a half. I don't like Iowa State this year. I, I think yeah, they I kinda, may win seven, but I like the under. I kind of like – I mean, I kind of like to just say six and a half. I know they can't win that, but I, I like that It'd line. be hilarious if they did. I will, I will let you know if I do not like one, but I like that line. Okay, yeah. Okay, Kansas, two and a half. <laughs> uh, it's, I think they're going to go over that. Yeah, I think get, they get three. I mean, do you remember when I, every week I faded the KU line on our previous <laughs> podcast? And I think I went like 12 and 0 that year on KU games. It's it's just too low. Like they're going to win three games. <laughs> is our guy Lance, though, going to get him to three? I, I think he will. <laughs> he better. He better. I don't know if you've been reading on Twitter, Dustin. There's a new energy around KU football. It's what I'm hearing. So we'll yeah, see what's this, going it's, on. It's the same energy, kid. Yeah, it's, it's always the same. It's just energy. It's just like the sun. That's all it is. The sun is still there. Uh, Kansas State, six and a half wins. I actually like Kansas State. I think I like them too. I think they could win eight this year. I, I think so too. I think I'm going to go over. Yeah, that one feels like a close to a lock outside of uh, and, what we're coming up on. And Cade and I will be doing – our research and we will be doing some preview pods but at this time we're going off of basically what happened at the end of last season and what we've heard from there so very little at, research yeah, at this time 100 so don't trust us uh let's go tcu at six and a half i'm gonna go under i think tcu is gonna be bad see everybody and their dog is saying tcu is gonna be really good uh and i don't buy it either so I'm, you and i are I'm gonna go six theory. i'm gonna go right at six I feel like we're not getting to enough wins though. <laughs> like, yeah. Somebody's got to win games. <laughs> I'm I think go I'm, six for TCU. 
I'll take the over for TCU, but again, I'm looking seven. I'm not looking at eight. I'm not looking at nine. They just haven't done anything to me. And I mean, and they, they just changed coaches. I don't know. I, I, I think six and a half is a really good line, but I'll take the over at seven. So Dustin, Texas Tech at five and a half. This is a fun one to me. Man, I like that one again. What are you, what are you going to go with? I'm going to take the over f- only because of the reason that you just listed. Somebody's got to win games in this conference. Uh, Everybody's going to win six. Yeah, I think Tech could win four games this year. I also think they could win seven. So I'll take the over. Yeah, I- I'll go with you on that one, but I also think Tech's going to be bad. One of TCU or Tech is going to not win very many games. <laughs> if if you had to pick one, I'm going to go TCU. I Well, yeah. no, I'm – they're both they both could stink i mean so this is tough west virginia watch them both they'll both win 10 now yeah yeah they're in the in the championship game (laughs) west virginia five and a half man another team who's not going to be good (laughs) (laughs) hey don't they have uh what's uh i'm gonna go i'm gonna go six again yeah no this feels like an under to me um they are breaking in a new quarterback aren't they um jt daniels transferred to west virginia if i'm if i'm not mistaken i thought i think that happened right jt so i think they could win six but i think they're gonna win four um oklahoma let's go oklahoma eight and a half man i they're probably still gonna get to nine i don't know man i'm gonna take the under because I don't know if Dylan Gabriel, gonna put him at yeah, I'm gonna, they're gonna be scraping for their bowl locks. They're gonna be in the cheese it bowl, and I'm gonna laugh. Um, no, I I just think that like one Dylan Gabriel hasn't stayed healthy in a long time. Um, I don't know how great he is either. Like people are putting him as far and away the number one quarterback in the Big Twelve. I don't see that, um, and they don't have a lot of depth there. They don't have a lot of they've lost some skill talent. They've lost some talent on the, on the back end of their defense, their coaching staff, the entire thing turned over. I just, I don't know if I see nine wins in Brent Venable's first year. Yeah. It, it definitely could go off the rails for them. That's so he's point. never been a coach, never been a head coach. I would love I for them to win important. zero. Yeah. That would could, be my preferred number. Who do we need to talk to for that? Um, <laughs> that's my question. And then Dustin, our last one, Oklahoma state at eight and a half over. Over. End of the podcast. Talk to you guys next week. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I think that's the lock right there. If 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 it's anybody else, I'll take K-State as, at six and a half over that. But I think Oklahoma State is a lock for over an eight and a half. Yeah, I think so too. They're around like seven and a half, eight, eight and a half every year in these, uh, in these betting odds. And Kate, I normally always go over. So yeah. don't trust me. I love it. Yeah. Oh, by the way, this is uh, only to be taken as entertainment. This is not gambling advice. So, um, oh yeah, this is yeah. just I'll, entertainment. I have the the like I've seen those lines maybe once, and then you read them out to me. So, <laughs> do not take my advice. I think legally we're supposed to say that. So, I just wanted that to be clear. Um, yeah, Dustin, that's it. What else you got? Anything? I think we're good. I think we're good that too. Was that was a- hey. I did want to say I really appreciate all the questions. Uh, When Kate and I see that we have like 10, 11, 12 questions, we really appreciate that. So thanks for sending those in. Um, 
And we love, like we said, we love the audio ones from Ryan, but we love the Twitter ones too. So really appreciate you guys sending those in. And they were all great questions this week. Yeah. And thanks for hanging out with us during the off season. I know it's the dog days of summer. We're trying to bring you the stuff you want, the stuff you want to hear. Uh, we won't get hot takey, maybe, unless you ask us questions and then we're forced to. Um, but again, just thankful that you guys are hanging out with us through the summer. We're, we're going to get through this. The, these days are going to get shorter. We're going to get to August and it's going to be full steam ahead. we got some really cool stuff planned uh, for, for this summer and leading us right into football. Cade, you're gone next week. I will be gone. Let the listeners know. Cade will not be here. We'll still have a pod. I have a guest coming on. I won't reveal him yet, but he's a he's an old friend and a good friend. So yeah, and very on. very thankful for him doing this. Uh, I just want yeah. that to that to be heard now. Excited that he's willing to come on, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. And yeah, I will I will not be here. I will be traveling for work, so um, I will miss you guys. Dustin, I will miss you. Uh, I'll, I'll send in a listener question or two, get the, get the wheels turning for you. I like that. I'll, I'll miss you as well. So Kate and I, will have, we'll have this one, and we'll have one in July where I'm out, but we should be good to go for most of the rest yep. throughout the offseason and then into football. Well, let's do it. Dustin, great talking to you tonight, man. Uh, really fun podcast. I really had a good time. But if you're not already – you got to keep it locked with us at Feels Like 45 Pod on Twitter. It's where you can send us questions. It's where you can find our podcast every week. You can keep it locked there. Follow us, Dustin, at DustRagu. You can follow me at Cade Webb. And that's it. We'll talk to you guys next week. Go Pokes.